Anyone know what that is? That's music to my ears. That's another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling shirts or sandals, start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build relationships that will keep them coming back. Shopify covers all the sales channels to successfully grow your business, from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is here to help you succeed every step of the way. It's how every minute, new sellers around the world make their first sale with Shopify. And you can do it too. I love how Shopify makes it simple for anyone to sell their products anywhere. Whether they're eBooks or earrings, Shopify simplifies starting and running your own successful business. When you're ready to take your idea to the world, do it with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Now it's your turn to try Shopify for free and start selling anywhere. So sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite. Go to shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite, to start selling online today. Shopify.com slash c-suite. You're listening to Thinking Outside the Bud, where we speak with entrepreneurs, investors, thought leaders, researchers, advocates, and policymakers who are finding new and exciting ways for cannabis to positively impact business, society, and culture. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeldt. Are you a CEO looking to scale your company faster and easier? Check out Thrive Roundtable. Thrive combines a moderated peer group mastermind, expert one-on-one coaching, access to proven growth tools, and a 24-7 support community. Created by Inc. award-winning CEO and certified scaling-up business coach Bruce Eckfeldt, Thrive will help you grow your business more quickly and with less drama. For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com slash thrive. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot com slash thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Thinking Outside the Bud. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. And our guest today is Jacques Santucci. He is president of Nucleus One Consulting. They work with cannabis companies to help them with everything from operations to strategy. We're going to talk to him a little bit about his experience in the cannabis space, his background in management consulting, in strategy, and really kind of looking at the cannabis industry in terms of where we are today, what's going on with some of these markets, we see some of these states, how things are shaping up with kind of the impact of COVID, and the pandemic here and how how that really it's going to shape the industry or how it's going to impact the industry and what we might expect in the coming months and quarters as as things adjust to some type of new normal that we're all kind of figuring out here. So with that, Jacques, welcome to the program. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me, uh, Bruce. Yeah, it's a pleasure. So let's get a little bit of background before we kind of dive into cannabis. How did you get into cannabis? What were you doing before this? Give us a sense of your kind of professional background and, and yep. tell us the story. Yeah, so I actually got in the cannabis industry without really knowing initially <laughs> So, you know, I, um, I'm from France originally, moved in the States over 20 years ago now. Started my career at Ernst & Young, you know, big four, and then uh, 
moved in the States when a French-English company bought a company here. And uh, mm-hmm. over 10 years ago, actually almost 15 years ago now, became a business management consultant, mm-hmm. working with companies on their next step and working with business owners and, and figuring out you know, what's their strategy. And um, back in 2009, the state of Maine passed their medical marijuana laws and uh, they, there was eight licenses uh, offered right uh, through a, a license application process. And as a consultant, I was uh, contacted together a small team to uh, apply for licenses. And at the time, if you go back 2009, 2010, there wasn't any, too many of those application process. Not too many states had done it. And for sure, none of the East Coast. So I got my education by going to uh, California and met some uh, great people there. And uh, they showed me the things to do and not to do. So long story short, you know, in the summer of 2010, we applied with that group and then we were awarded four licenses out of eight. And um, I didn't know much about the cannabis industry. I have to be honest, I didn't really see at the time the opportunity as an industry beside, you know, a good opportunity for my company, my consulting firm. And then I was really pushed in the big pool by that project. I started the, the company was uh, like it was at the time a non-for-profit, so there was no ownership. So we had to raise the money and we had to start a company. And then from there, we started a company called Wellness Connection of Maine, who had four licenses out of the eight in Maine, four official licenses. And then uh, we started, uh, we had a, a growth site that we built and uh, we started a, a business model that was different than at the time from what was in Colorado and California. And that's how I got in the cannabis industry by dealing with the business model and the strategy on how to grow a business in illegal kind of environment uh, mm-hmm. or kind of a legal, illegal environment and uh, dealing with banks and investors. And then uh, we had a chance to find really great investors. We had had a group of people who believed in our business model. And then actually they helped me grow my expertise in the cannabis industry. We did some other projects with some of them uh, in New England, starting in Rhode Island and Connecticut. Got a license in Connecticut. Uh, One of our investors actually is uh, Kevin Murphy, who then ended up starting Acreage Holdings. Yep. And uh, and then from there, I will not only I continue to work and and grow uh, Wellness Connection of Maine to uh, ninety employees and uh, uh, almost twenty million in sales, uh, but also you know started to you know work all around the country as an advisor, as a partner, as a consultant from Hawaii to Ohio, and then uh, in the past few years a lot in uh, Massachusetts, which was a, a good place, a good location for opportunities, and then now back in Maine, yep. you know uh, strangely. Now that the state of Maine is, is opening. Yeah, yeah, full circle for you. Yes. And so tell me, I'm always curious for folks that are coming out of other industries, you know, have been successful, you know, know how business works in, in great detail and have advised lots of different companies and, you know, have, you know, firm grasp on best practices and strategies and stuff. Coming into the cannabis space, what were you surprised by? I guess, what were you, what were you kind of known unknowns, you know, things that you knew were going to be different that you need to kind of figure out how to adjust for and then unknown unknowns, you know, in terms of yes. th- things you didn't expect <laughs> And, and had to deal with on the fly as you got in there. Like, give, give me kind of a, a, a sense of, of, of what you learned or, or what, what transpired for you as you got into the business. Yes. So it was, uh, there was a lot of uh, adaptation, right? I had, to, I had to, and my team had to adapt to uh, that new industry. But there was something I didn't want to let go was on the fact, on best practices. Back in 2010, 2011, there was 
the industry was cutting a lot of corners. And granted, I understand probably why. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, thanks to those people, you know, pushing the limits and, you know, I, I ended up being part of it. We probably convinced more people to adapt, ad adopt best practices. But, you know, I wanted to make sure that not only we were applying practices that were already in other industries. So what I'm talking about is on the employee side, making sure that they were paid through payroll with benefits, you know, uh, health insurance, 401k. And uh, although I know a lot of uh, your listeners just cannot find those things, it's available and yep. we found it. And then talking to bankers and, uh, you know, I talked to a lot of bankers to explain to them that, you know, what was the business model and where the industry was going. Uh, a lot around metrics and key metrics. I was surprised initially that a lot of operators that I was talking to weren't really looking at their financials or their key metrics, and they were really managing their company shooting from the hip, which is pretty typical from you know, small businesses yeah. in general. Early stage, yeah, it's yes, not, not, not atypical that things are run that way. Yes, absolutely. And so we are looking around accounting and actually I started a software company that is all around key metrics and data and trying to capture the link between production, retail and accounting so people can get good data, good information to make good decisions. And so that was really the angle that we took when we started in the industry. And for the past 10 years, it's been a, a kind of a pet peeve of mine uh, <laughs> talking to operators about you know, best practices. Yeah. And what are the, some of those key metrics that you think are important on the cannabis side? I mean, we're, we're dealing with lots of different factors when it comes to yes. the industry and everything from agricultural sort of science and agricultural production and yields down to, you know, product segmentation and market penetration in different areas. I mean, yeah. where are the metrics that you think are really important to focus on? So all the metrics you just mentioned now coming in place and then, you know, uh, companies like BDS Analytics, you know, helped us understand what are the, the, what's the market or how people, you know, buy things like this. But I think that I still haven't seen is standards around production and cost, right? So the retail side of cannabis is pretty much getting standardized, right? We're all talking about the same tickets, you know, prices per gram or, you know, to the consumer, right? So, or, you know, on the retail side, I think we're starting to see some good standards. But on the accounting side, 280E forced a lot of companies to actually take accounting seriously. But mm -hmm. what's missing, I think, around is the standardization about, you know, what's the cost per gram on production or extraction and, and things like this. And, and, and even on the yield, or even on those financial and operational metrics, there's still a lack of metrics, you know, around facilities, Right. We're all designing, you know, production facilities and we talk about extraction machines. But, you know, it's difficult to compare one company or the other. Granted, you know, MSOs and some of those public companies are now helping us, you know, get some of the same numbers. But it's still very difficult. If somebody was to buy a company, it's difficult to look at one company and compare it to the other. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, and that's been the hard part of the industry. <laughs> like, I mean, how am I operating relative to my peers? And is there yeah. anything that's particularly out of whack or I'm overperforming on for some ray? And why? Like, what is, is it, yeah. do I have some advantage or do I have some insight or technology or something that allows me to do that? Is it sustainable? Yeah. And it's changing. I remember, you know, the first financial model that I worked on for wellness, I was working with a grower out of California, talented grower. 
But when I was asking him about basics assumptions, like for example, the weight, right? How much are you going to get out of a plant? I had so many, I don't want to say arguments because we actually were good friends, but strong conversations. Heated discussions, yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. About, you know, I mean, are you talking about a weight? I, sorry, wet? Are you talking about dry? Are you yeah. talking about, you know, before, after the dry room? I, you know, yeah. And then even on the number of plants, I, you know, I, okay, I understand clones and veg now, but, and, you know, I had to redo all my assumptions so many times. Now those things have progressed and then we yeah. are getting there. But I'm waiting for the day where we all kind of speak 100% the same language. And that would help the industry grow tremendously. Well, and you think that's, I guess, what's going to force that to happen? How do you see these dynamics kind of playing out? Is this something yes. that will just, it, it will naturally happen? It will, there'll be, you know, events or precipitating kind of challenges that yeah. come up that make this, the industry do this? Yeah. So I think a show like yours is, is part of, uh, you know, assisting this. But I think 10 years ago, uh, in the 2000s, right, the industry was driven by a lot of activists that really created the industry. And they were very courageous. And they, they showed the rest of the, of the world, or the rest of the, the market, that it was an industry. And I would say for the past 10 years, the industry changed into opportunistic capitalists and uh, a lot of, of people interested in that new market. And with mm -hmm. them came new ways of working, but not to a point that they were interested in setting up the industry for long term, but more for like a short term, right? Let's profit from this, this opportunity. But they helped bring the next level, and that's how I see it, which is what we see now with the MSOs and the public companies, and before yeah. we get at the institutional market. And so I think that's going to be the progression. And I talk to a lot of what we call in New England caregivers, and, and there's other terms around the country, but like smaller growers, smaller retailers that are not really accepting the fact that the industry is changing, but they should actually embrace it because that's how it's going to create some standards, some better pricing for their tools, uh, help employees and help talent, right, to join the industry. So by going from one step to the other, it brings new talent, new methods. And I think that's how we're going to see standards. And then you have organizations like NCIA, who has committees around standards and other conference that get people to talk about those standards. So I think that's going to be the progression, you know, between the public market and the private sector and, and those organizations that, and that talent, they're going to start creating all those metrics and those ways of looking at the industry kind of the same way. Yeah. And so let's talk about a little bit where kind of the industry is at this point. So we finished 2019 with, you know, a lot of kind of, I'll call it corrections or revaluations uh, of, of some of these, you know, publicly traded stocks and on the Canadian market. And, you know, the private placements, you know, had, you know, I think a fairly similar kind of adjustment in terms of what investors were kind of looking for or incentivizing you know, in terms of market growth versus profitability and free cash flow and things like that. And then, you know, now COVID has hit. How have you seen kind of the industry and particularly on the in the investor kind of capital raising side, debt side, how have things changed over the last, say, six months Have we've gone through a couple of these adjustments and sort of changes in business context? That's a good question. So Nucleus One and our team, you know, has a presence around the country. And what we do is is business consulting, right? Full service consulting from the license acquisition to actually the operation, the design of facilities and, and, uh, and, uh, with a strong 
angle on financials, business strategy, you know, financial modeling, and making sure that the expectations or the, the plan, you know, meets the expectation. And so we don't raise money per se, but, you know, when we can, or we, you know, we work on one side or the other and we help people, you know, connect. And so we had a chance over the past six, seven years, if not more, right, to look at investors and, and investments. And 2019 was a difficult year for raising capital in the cannabis industry because of yeah. what happened in 17 and 18 and, and those companies going public and, and also companies, you know, starting to show failure. And probably because of abundance of opportunities and most of them not really being up to par. And so I think we started 2020 expecting a lack of available capital. I think investors, either professional invest investors or, or I don't know if we can say occasional investors, but you know people getting more educated about the industry. And so lack of capital and expecting you know companies to fail. And I think the COVID pandemic is actually pushed it forward faster yeah. than we were expecting. And so we have some clients raising capital and it's not happening you know, too fast. The other thing that I'm seeing is people have not realized that the industry is more professional than it was a year and a half ago. And so I was talking to somebody, I think it was two or three weeks ago, that's raising money for two or three opportunities in New England. And I said, well, you know, do you have a, a deck? And what I got was, you know, five slides on PowerPoint with, you know, and four of them were about the market and one of them was about contact. I'm like, okay, I... I that's not going to cut it. <laughs> I love it. And, you know, if you're looking for $8 million and you send me five slides and nothing is on your company, it's going to be tough. Yeah. So on top of that, I think because of the market kind of changing around us and, and the recession creeping up, all those factors are bringing to the point that I think we're going to see more failures and licenses that are either not going to be able to open or existing companies are, are going to run out of cash and people have to stay relevant, right? And, you know, some of our consulting practices is on non-cannabis, but it's really the same thing. To stay competitive, you have to stay relevant. And if you don't invest in your business, then at some point, somebody else is going to beat you. Yeah. And I think that's what we're going to see this year is how do you reinvent yourself? How do you continue to stay relevant? And that's probably going to bring a mid-size or even probably bigger size operator to either merge or, or sell at a discount. There's going to be distressed assets. And uh, we're actually getting ready. We're already getting some phone calls, but we're getting ready to help investors look into their investments and help them make the changes that they they should have done probably a year and a half ago. Yeah. Well, and what happens with some of these companies? I mean, uh, you know, if, you, if you're in the cannabis market, you know, you know, your access to capital has, you know, dried up. You've been kind of using capital to fuel your business growth and you're not on, you know, currently not in a cash flow positive operational situation, what are your options? What are the strategies or the things that you need to start looking at in terms of figuring out your next steps? That's a good question. And it's a little bit like a, on a case-by-case -case basis. Mm -hmm. But what I've seen is, in general, is operators or, or business owners not being realistic with their situation and not willing to take the decisions that actually turn the company around. And either it's because they are stuck on the brand that is not going anywhere and they are investing in a brand that is not going to bring any value or on a product that is not selling, 
but for whatever reason, they continue to produce it. And versus, you know, listening to what the market is telling them and producing the right product or looking at the cost of production and trying to keep a high quality for a lower cost and investing in talent or methods or tools to reduce the cost. And unfortunately, I think some operators might be stuck in leases that are actually are suffocating them because they yeah. leased, leased or bought some space you know, two years ago. I mean, I know that in New England, some commercial space owners were looking at like 50 or 80 percent square dollar per square foot higher than the market and on top of that two or three percent of profits or sales or things like this if not more and when the price or the margin is high it's okay or it's okay no it's not okay but it, you know you maybe you can survive justifiable <laughs> or at least yeah. temporarily justifiable yes yeah. but on the long term the margins are, are getting thinner and then uh, you lose so the advice that i always have with our clients is let's be realistic. Let's look at what the situation is. And uh, there's got to be a solution. And you got to realize that the company itself might not disappear. You know, the asset's going to go somewhere else. So if somebody who's got a license, mm-hmm. somebody else is going to operate it. Somebody, a table somewhere growing is going to go to somebody else. So there's got to be a way for the person to keep it and then make it, you know, profitable. Yeah, just it seems like it's it's that kind of flight to profitability <laughs> it's kind of this yes. next step and and some will make it some will don't those that don't you know we'll have to figure yeah. out you know what their options are and so talk to me a little bit about what you're seeing on the state level because you know for those that really kind of know cannabis here everything's based on these kind of micro or these local economies or local industries because of state laws what's interesting to you or what are you seeing that's interesting in terms of some of these states or either that are opening up or that are changing or what do you anticipate in the coming months yes. and quarters in that, in that area so our company releases market updates on a regular basis and uh, you know go on nucleus-one.com and you can register so we released market updates on massachusetts on maine we just released one on on the delivery industry uh, a couple of weeks ago and so we are watching markets very closely and um and so because we are based in New England and now in California, you know, those are the two markets that we know the best. So Massachusetts is still a growing, uh, New England is still a growing market in general. We know that Rhode Island is getting ready to open. Massachusetts is still licenses uh, in the process and, and the state is doing a pretty good job so far. Maine is in the middle of opening its adult use market finally after couple of years of no no progress and yeah. it's it's been estimated at a 250 to 300 million dollar uh, market so it's an interesting market to look at then you know we're expecting obviously new jersey and to uh, open and then you know illinois was a market you know there was a application process late last year and it looks like it's that's been delayed so that's kind of on the existing states. The state of New York, too, I should have mentioned the state of New York. It looks like it might be delayed to next year. But those are the states that we see. In general, I think the existing adult use states are going to continue to progress and adapt to the market. And then, uh, unfortunately, with the current political atmosphere and, yeah. and the pandemic, I think the other states probably going to slow down a little bit. But we're expecting to see more activity after the presidential election. Yeah, in, in some respects, people are waiting on a couple of things, <laughs> figuring out what's going on with the coronavirus, really, what is this, yeah. you know, what is the world going to look like from, um, you know, kind of social interaction point of view, yeah. obviously, which affects all sorts of aspects of the cannabis industry, you know, and then the kind of the political climate, obviously, is, is 
is highly volatile right now. So depending on how that lands, it's going to really, really impact things. Anything that you've seen in terms of the capital markets, in terms of really access to capital? I mean, I know things kind of froze up for a while, but is there money available? What type of money? What kind of things are they looking for? What's your sense in terms of investors and, and what the interest is? You know, I think there is always money available somewhere, yeah. somehow, right? Yeah. And uh, even yeah. in the most difficult time, you always find, well, there's always people interested in investing or creating a company, right? Out of the previous recession, you know, companies like Uber, right, came out of it, yeah. right? So, so they, they found some capital to start it. So I think what the, the misconception we may have is that at some point, the cannabis industry was so hip and there were so many people interested in doing something that, you know, we may have had the fake perception, right, that capital was available yeah. everywhere. Well, at the end, it's just like any other industries. I think if somebody uh, has a good startup, a good business model, uh, a good, you know, a good state, you know, and, and all of the above, whatever it is, then you have a chance to find an investor that likes the way you, you know, that likes your business. So somehow it's, it's, it's maybe more tedious and there's maybe more work, but and for sure it's more difficult because of what we said earlier. But I think you know the capital is available, and the good news is that some banks are now lending to the cannabis industry. Right? There's a, a bank in Massachusetts. There's a, a couple of banks in Maine that I know of. There's I think there's one in in Colorado now lending on real estate for the cannabis industry. So. So they'll actually they'll provide capital, they'll provide debt financing for real yes. estate, yeah. for a real estate backed note, but for a plant touching cannabis business. Yes. Yep. Interesting. Yeah. Because I know that was, I mean, I know a lot of folks were doing this whole, like, you know, you set up a separate company to own the real estate so you can do the debt against that, but they didn't, don't touch the plant and then you lease it to the cannabis company. And it's like, they were doing all these kind of somewhat complicated and somewhat convoluted, you know, entity setup so they could sort of separate that out. Now you can actually pull this stuff together. Yes. You got to have the right, you know, business model and the, the right yeah. credentials, right? But, and usually, you know, they don't lend as much as they would, you know, if it was not cannabis. But, you know, you probably can borrow 60, 65%, mm -hmm. probably a little bit more expensive than a regular, you know, yep. uh, warehouse. But yes, you can find it. Yeah, well, everyone takes advantage <laughs> of the yeah, limited markets, you know, increased prices. So, yeah. Yes, I mean, when you see the savings, right, it's probably okay to pay uh, some fees and, and a percent more. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say, I mean, anything else that you see, like if you, you know, kind of fortune telling here a little bit, but, you know, in the coming months and quarters, things you anticipate or things that you're watching for that you think are really going to shape how this all plays out for cannabis companies and the cannabis industry in, in the next year or so? So I, I broke my crystal ball this morning. So unfortunately, <laughs> I, I can't tell you everything else. But I uh, know more seriously, like I said earlier, I think what's going to shape the industry is the push on standards and better management. But I think also, unfortunately, the turnarounds of some of those businesses. I think the strength of those regional MSOs, you know, those regional groups that are starting to appear, the companies who have two or three uh, licenses in two or three states that are, you know, self-funded, privately owned, that are trying to do the best things they can and uh, yeah. with not a goal of selling within six months, but really creating foundations. I think that's something that I, I'm starting to see. So that combination 
with the fact that I would expect some of the public companies to get more in trouble than what we think and maybe some of them merging with each other or, or, or buying each other which shape an industry that resemble a little bit more to other industries where you know you have uh, different layers of size of companies and all working together trying to you know grow the industry on one side though is i don't see the cannabis industry being legalized anytime soon and uh, uh, and somehow I know some of my friends are not going to be happy with me saying this, but I think it's okay. I think it's yep. okay because somehow I'm not sure we are ready to have yeah, uh, a global legalization and have everybody deciding that they can do it at a time where the people who've been trying to do it are not really unified, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think the the current method of having states opening more and more and having their own rules. And you can tell that some states are actually copying each other and, and there's some similarities between states. I think that's going to help, you know, in the next few months and few years, you know, solidifying the industry and get stronger actors that are going to uh, lead the rest of the industry. Yeah, I mean, not to get too philosophical, but there was there were some original ideas about the founding of the United States of this, we were going to create these states to be kind of like experimental areas that they could do their own thing and then things would work themselves out. And as it kind of, you know, resolved or as it kind of settled, then it would become kind of national policy or federal policy. So there is some political philosophy, I think, that's actually at play here in terms of how this cannabis yeah. industry is, is, yeah. is working. But yeah, I think um, baking, baking the system a little bit more <laughs> at the state level before we make it a federal program does have some advantages, so it makes sense. Yeah. Jacques, this has been a pleasure. If people want to find out more about you, about Nucleus, what's the best way to get that information? Yes, so our website is nucleus-1.com. So nucleus-1.com. You can find all our contacts there. And my email is jacques, J-A-C-Q-U-E-S, at nucleus-1.com. And uh, I'm happy to uh, answer any questions we get. And uh, if uh, anybody's interested with our market reports, you can you know subscribe on our website and get more information about you know each markets. And uh, it's something that we are really pushing. Uh, the more information is out there, the better. You know, we're all going to work together, and that's really uh, something that we we want to achieve. Yeah, thank you for doing that. It, it, as you can tell, like I'm a big big advocate of having the conversations, getting the information out there. That's how we're all going to learn. Yes. That's how we're all going to grow. So uh, I really appreciate the work that you're doing in the space. Okay, thanks for the time. Today. It was a great conversation, great insight. I always love having uh, you know good, meaty conversations with people that are knowledgeable in this space and have good, good history and, and good experience in it. And, yes. and this was that. So thank you. I really appreciate it. Well, thanks for having me and uh, looking forward for another conversation in a few months and see how things are, <laughs> yeah, are exactly. going. And I'm going to try to work on my crystal ball. I'm going to try to put it back together. Yeah. See, we'll get some crystal ball super glue and see if we can get yes. that one put back together. Okay. <laughs> Sounds good. Thanks, Jack. Appreciate Take it. Take care. Bye. You've been listening to Thinking Outside the Bud with business coach Bruce Eckfeld. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets, and access other great content, visit the website at thinkingoutsidethebud.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at thinkingoutsidethebud.com forward slash newsletter.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.